Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports columnist Ann Killian to preview Golden State's NBA Finals matchup with Cleveland. Here we are at the BMW Club Lounge in the bowels of Oracle Arena on the eve of Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Uh, we're just a few minutes here from the Warriors opening their their open practice to the media. Um, it's been kind of a quick turnaround. A, a lot different than last year where the Warriors were coming off a sweep of the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals. It felt like we had over a week to get ready for the NBA Finals. This, this year, you know, we basically have one off day one one day right now to to do the media day and and get all the preview content out on the interwebs before we we get into things game one just getting right into it what what's your what's your big thought entering game one how do you feel about a four straight warriors Cavs finals um i'm fine with it I, I really am. Uh, I know that a lot of our uh, media brethren are bored by it, and I've heard some ridiculous questions saying, uh, I think on the conference call yesterday with Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy, I saw the transcript and, and someone said, asked, how can fans get excited about this matchup? It's like, are you kidding? Three of the best, the, the, the best three players in the world are going to be on the court. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Stephen Curry. So I think that's how fans get excited. Maybe we in the media are kind of bored. We were looking for something different. We were looking maybe for a different city to travel to than Cleveland. But to be truthful about Boston right now, they're just not a very sexy matchup. They don't have any name players. So if the Warriors made it, which is where we're coming from, because we wouldn't be covering it if they weren't in it, um, I think it feels repetitive, but it also feels historic. You know, it feels a little epic at this point that, that it's the fourth straight. I mean, that that's, you know, we're in uncharted territory in terms of a finals matchup four times of the same teams. And while we don't really expect it to be too competitive, we are watching the, the you know, later part of one of the greats of all time in LeBron. And I think everyone should appreciate that by this point, whether or not they're LeBron fans or not, I think at this point you just got to kind of, you know, sit back and look in awe of what he's doing. And then, you know, I think with with the Andre Iguodala being ruled out for game one, that adds a little intrigue to it because definitely he's the best defender probably in the league on LeBron and they're not going to have him. So all of a sudden there's a little twist to this that we might not have expected. How many times in not just the NBA – history because you, you already mentioned this is the first time that's ever happened where you had a fourth straight finals matchup in the NBA but how many times has this happened in professional major sports history I don't think it's ever happened in North American sports history as far that's what I heard I don't I don't think so I mean obviously there are teams like the Buffalo Bills who got to four straight Super Bowls lost them all and um, against different opponents but I don't think you've had the same teams matching up in four straight finals ever um i could be wrong but but i think that that's what i read no you're right it's uh just to put it in historical context that's how rare this is i mean that actually kind of surprised me you would think that maybe would have happened in like hockey or or some other sport but it has never happened so i think a lot of people are they're they're saying they're bored but it it really is historic and it's it's amazing and it's incredible 
given the fact that you look at how many different iterations we've had of this Cavs team in those four years. I mean, this Cavs team this season is so different than the one we saw 12 months ago. And the only real common link is a guy named LeBron James, who a lot of people have already said that uh, this is the most impressive feat in LeBron's career, that he took this team to the finals. Do you agree with that? Do you think this is the most impressive thing he's done in his career so far? Yeah, I do, because this this team is not very good. And don't forget, you know, J.R. Smith. He's he's a common link, too. But, um, no, I, I don't think this is a very good team. And I think it's one of the reasons that I kind of feel that uh, LeBron might be good. You know, he might, he might say, I've done all I can in Ohio. I'm good. I'm going to L.A. I'm going to live in my, you know, $10 million Brentwood home and, and hang out and get my movie career and my brand launched um, more than it already is. Uh, now he's so competitive that that might not be true, but I, I definitely think um, this is going to be his swan song for for the state of Ohio. Do you do you think that how competitive this series is going to play into LeBron's decision going forward? Do you think if they he could somehow push this to maybe six games, something like that, that he's more likely to stay in Cleveland as opposed to them getting swept? No, I don't. I don't really think so. Like I said, I think he's he's done all he can. I think he hates Gilbert. I think, I think that he's been the GM and the coach there as well as the best player. I think he's probably ready to move on to something else in his in his life. I mean, he has given Cleveland a championship. He has given Cleveland a, an amazing focal point of sports that you know they they that town will never forget him will always love him more than any other place in the world but I just feel like he's he's bigger than Cleveland now and he's he's done what he can um, unless they go out and you know revamp the team completely and sign a bunch of all-stars I don't see him winning another championship there so I don't I don't I've always thought he's going to end up at the Lakers. I, that's just me, just because I think he's a really good actor, and I think that he really actually has a career ahead. And the fact that he's, you know, we know that he has a couple of homes there, and and I think he spends a lot of time there. But we'll see. We'll see. But I do think that anyone who is doubting anything about LeBron at this point in his career is nuts. Because I, I just think... It's like with every older player. I, I'm a big soccer fan, so it's kind of like watching Cristiano Ronaldo, who I always thought was annoying young in his career, and now that he's at the end of his career, it's just you got to appreciate it. you got to watch these guys and go, wow, we are watching one of the greats of all time. And, and you know, I did that early in my career with Montana and Rice. I, I did it with, with Barry Bonds, though that was a little bit different. Um, I, I just think you have to appreciate what you're seeing when you're seeing it. So... I'm I'm happy that it's Cleveland. Yeah, I kind of agree with that in the sense that it's going to be the LeBron show, and we're going to be able to see, you know, what can LeBron do, uh, not completely by himself, but pretty much by himself. I mean, and if you remember in the 2000, 2015 finals when Kyrie and Kevin Love were injured there, those games where it was LeBron going ahead and head to head with the Warriors where he was trying to put them on his back that was fun to watch that was that was fun basketball um, and I think I think this is going to be a fun series even if it only lasts four or five games so you know this is already being billed as the biggest mismatch in NBA finals history I think the line opened 
for game one with the Warriors being like 11 and a half point favorites, which it's almost almost never do you see a double digit line in the NBA finals. Um, what do you think the Cavs need to do to make this competitive? They need to bank on the Warriors being that first half Warriors that we saw in game seven. I mean, really, I think uh, we've seen that this Warriors team is really erratic and is its own worst enemy. And so any team can beat them. I mean, New Orleans beat them. Uh, the Spurs beat them. This this team can be beaten. And if they come out and they play like they think they've already won it, if they are lackadaisical, if they are uh, – uh, not focused the way they were in that first half uh, in Game 7, then Cleveland will be able to beat them. I think, you know, LeBron is such a savvy veteran that he will be able to spot that kind of lack of focus and, and weakness and figure out how to attack it. But I also think, like I mentioned before, I think that the Iguodala uh, missing Game 1, we don't know what his status will be going forward. That's a big thing because he... Uh, who do you think will will now be on uh, on LeBron? Will it be Kevin Durant? It's a tough question. Uh, it's going to be a group effort. Um, you're probably going to see Durant on there a little bit. You're going to see Draymond on there a little bit. You're probably even going to see Kevon Looney on there a little bit. You might see Clay Thompson even. Um, the 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 reason why losing Andre is so big is because not only is Andre, the best individual defender on LeBron. If you remember in 2015, his his defensive performance on LeBron was a big reason why he won NBA Finals MVP. And he actually, uh, LeBron still had crazy numbers in that series. But I think when, uh, when Andre was inserted into the starting lineup in the latter stages of that, of that finals, uh, LeBron only shot like 35% from the field. So he was able to make life difficult on LeBron. And he's shown that throughout their career that he can at least make things difficult on LeBron, which is all you're asking when you're defending LeBron. But with, with Andre out, it's kind of a trickle down effect because the options are, okay, do you put, do you put Draymond green on LeBron? Well, by doing that, you're losing what Draymond does best defensively, which he's probably the world's best help side defender. And if you're if you're taking him away and you're you're putting him exclusively on LeBron, he's not going to be able to help the way you want him to, and he's not going to be able to patrol the way you want him to, um, and kind of orchestrate that 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 switch heavy defense. Whereas if you put Kevin Durant on LeBron, you're inevitably going to be asking him to take a toll energy wise that's probably going to hurt his offense I mean you need him to be as locked in as much as you can offensively and that's asking a lot of a guy who's one of the best scorers in NBA history to also guard LeBron possession in and possession out so I think actually Kavan would be the best option there. I think Kavan has shown that he's versatile. He, I think he, he's obviously not nearly as athletic as LeBron, but I think he is savvy enough to stay in front of him when it matters. And I, I think Kavan could be really important because at least if you put Kavan on him, you're not losing other things. Whereas you would with Draymond and, and Durant. And I think clay could be, could be a factor there too. Yeah. It's just LeBron is so strong and that's why I, I you know, Clay is a great defender, but he doesn't physically match up. Um, Durant is not that strong. Kavon's pretty strong. 
and he showed what a good um I just I just feel like LeBron just bullies people. You know, he's such a bully, so physical. Um if they switch and Steph ends up on LeBron, that's not a good matchup. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do. I, I think it's it's a challenge. But the good thing is, is there's only really one guy you have to worry about. It's not like the Rockets when when their um, their other guys were hitting threes or when Paul was on the floor with Harden. So it's really it's how do you how do you stop LeBron? If you stop if you can stop LeBron, you you can uh, you can beat the Cavs. But it's weird that. Boston, which had been so good defensively, didn't ever find any way to do that, at least uh, not in critical game seven at home. And let's let's not forget that it looks like Kevin Love's not going to be playing in game one either, and we don't know when he's coming back. Uh, I mean, he's in concussion protocol. It feels unlikely that he will. He's already been ruled out of media day today. Um, we ha- That hasn't been officially announced, but if he's not, if he's not available – that that puts even more pressure on LeBron because who's their second best player if, if Kevin Love isn't out there? Jeff Green? Tristan Thompson? I don't know. Do you remember what Tristan Thompson did in the finals last year? <laughs> no, <I don't laughs> Nothing. Do you? Uh, until that Celtic series, where Tristan actually played pretty well, the only thing I really knew about Tristan Thompson this year is that he was dating Khloe Kardashian, so and he uh, had some uh, episodes in that relationship that have been much discussed on TMZ and and what's and and what have you. But um, yeah, no, that's where this that's where this this Cavs team is. I mean, I, I literally have a tough time naming a second best player if Kevin Love isn't available, and that just speaks more to how incredible it is that LeBron did what he was able to do. But given the enormous roster flaws that this team has. I honestly think that LeBron could go out and get 50 tomorrow and they could still lose by double digits. I mean, that to me is something that could happen. I agree. And again, I think it all comes down to the Warriors. Are, is this Warriors team going to be locked in? Is this Warriors team going to be the good Warriors? Or are they going to be the very bad Warriors? I, I do think it's really all about whether they beat themselves or not. And I think Steve Kerr has got to be scratching his head because you could see how relieved he was when they won that because I think he thought in the first half they were going to lose it. I, I know he knows what they're capable of doing in the third quarter, and you absolutely at halftime predicted, like, oh, this team will come back in the third quarter. But they were so bad in the first half and so discombobulated for a championship team playing in a game seven it was it was startling so I think that's the biggest thing fans are going to be kind of worried about looking at this like which Warriors team shows up yeah and that's that's kind of a weird thing about this postseason is that it's very possible that the Warriors could win their third NBA title in four years and at the end of it as just you know the average basketball fan could kind of be wanting a little bit you know could could be feeling like okay the Warriors won a title but they still didn't show us what we wanted to see from them. They still, they still weren't the complete, you know, juggernaut that they, they should have been, you know, and the, they got past the Rockets in seven games. A lot of people are going to point to that Chris Paul injury and say, Hey, you know, they, maybe they don't win that series if Chris Paul's healthy. Whereas you can also say maybe, you know, things would have been different if Andre had been healthy because I think Andre is pretty important too. But uh, you're you're right. They're they're not totally where they want to be right now. And I think forget about the Cavs. You want to see them. You want to see them dominate from start to finish the way they did in the playoffs last year. Well, maybe you do. 
that was incredibly boring, you know? I mean, that was really boring last year. I, I think this this playoff run has been way more exciting, way more interesting. And like Steph said after Game 7, he said, this is a different journey for us. We haven't been in this situation before, at least not with Durant. They haven't been in a situation where they had to fight back, where there was doubt, where they had to be resilient. You know, they had to do it in their first playoff run. Um, they had to do it because of... Uh, in their second playoff run against Oklahoma City and because of Steph injuries and because of Draymond getting suspended. So they had to show resiliency. But since Durant has shown up, they haven't, you know, last year they had no drama. So I think this is just interesting. I think in some ways, if they win a championship, it's going to be much more rewarding for them because there has been adversity and and problems and things that they've had to overcome and they've had to fight back to win it. I think that in many ways it makes it more interesting. I mean, you can want a video game kind of dominance or you can want what what it's really happens in sports, which is that it's hard. And it doesn't matter if you have four all-stars on on the uh on the court winning, clicking in together, being focused, finding the right chemistry, it's it's all difficult. Who who on the Warriors side of things is is your biggest X factor entering this series? Um, I'm I'm not sure what you mean by X factor, but well, it would be whoever ends up with the bulk of the duty on LeBron. But also, I mean, to me, the X factor is always Steph, and we saw that in the third quarter when Steph gets rolling, everything happens for this team. And and Steve said that he's he's the guy who makes it all happen. And and you could see, I felt. Durant looked in the first half like he was trying to do so much and just carry the load and almost, you know, be hero ball and almost like LeBron had been the night before. And it wasn't until Steph got clicking in the third quarter that you could really see Durant visibly loosen up and start playing his game and, and you know, just – and everything was clicking. Um, so it's it's – to me, it's Steph – Every day, day in, day out. If if Steph gets going, this team is right. And if he if he doesn't, then then they're going to struggle. Yeah, for me, it's potentially Kavon for the reasons we touched upon earlier, and that he he's a guy who was basically out of the rotation three months ago and is now going to be on a big stage picking up LeBron. And I thought he actually did pretty well in the last series picking up James Harden. Obviously, he doesn't give you a lot offensively, but defensively he does what he needs to do. Um, but kind of going back to what you were saying about Steph, this feels like a really big moment for Steph in his career because a lot of people, when, when you have someone – who's as accomplished as Steph Curry, a lot of people want to nitpick, okay, well, why hasn't Steph uh, won a finals MVP? Well, what's going on here? He's been in four finals. He's never won a finals MVP. Sound the alarms. <laughs> yeah, this is his fourth, and he's he, he still hasn't won one. What what What's going on there? Um, and a lot of people were a little, a little uh, confused about why in the playoffs last year after Steph probably being – the Warriors' best player in the regular season. Durant kind of took over and was the guy on the biggest stage. Um, and as you mentioned, I completely agree with you that this offense is at its best when Steph is doing Steph things, when Steph's hitting those 30-foot jumpers, when Steph's doing those dazzling dribbling displays. That is when they they t- go from being a great offense to elite of the elite. And uh, it opens everything up for everyone else. And so I think he's finally feeling right. I feel like he's finally getting into rhythm. And this feels like a good opportunity for him to add another bullet point in his story career and and, and be the guy. I I would agree. And I I think last year there was still – 
a getting used to Kevin situation. We saw it last season, early in the season when Durant was first in there. And then Durant got hurt. So then there was a long stretch where they didn't have him. So I almost feel like the playoffs was they still were trying to figure it out. Um, And Durant is a dominant player, obviously. And so they almost all kind of seeded him the spotlight in some ways. I mean, that's not really how it happened on a game-by-game basis. But cumulatively, it kind of feels that way when you look back on those playoffs. This, This season has been different, you know, different guys have been out at different times. Um, the whole season has kind of been a struggle. And I just feel like, you know, all this talk about a super team and, and once Durant got there, you know, all of a sudden they went from one level up to the highest level. But I still think the most important player and the best player is their longest tenured player. And I think we might see that come to the surface. Now, He's Steph has struggled in games against Cleveland in the past for various reasons, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be at all surprised if he came away with an MVP this this uh, this postseason. All that being said, what's your what's your finals prediction? I know we we hate having to do those predictions because they make us look silly sometimes. But uh, if you if you had to, what what what's your prediction? I'm gonna say Warriors in five. I think LeBron will get a game at home, but um, I, I, if the Warriors learned any lessons from Houston and they, they learned how to be at their best, I think that they're going to figure out how to win almost all these games and they'll come back and win it at home. I agree. I'm going to go Warriors in five, but I'll say this. I think it's more likely that the Warriors get the sweep than this goes six. Uh, I, I feel like just the talent disparity is enormous and like i said earlier i feel like even if lebron does his lebron thing and averages 40 plus points per game in this series the Cavs still could lose every game by double digits i mean that's just the reality of the situation so uh it'll be interesting on the from the standpoint that i'm curious to see what lebron can do with his back against the wall and facing probably the biggest challenge of his career i'm also curious to see if the warriors can be the Warriors team that we've been waiting for all season. So it'll be fun. It's good to be here and de- definitely stay locked and loaded at SF Chronicle. Ann and I will be in Cleveland uh, with our colleague Scott Osler. So keep up to date with all of our coverage. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is Thank You for Playing by Ryan Little, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. This show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more Warriors coverage, you can follow us on Twitter at con underscore cron and at Ann Killian. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. Also, follow us on iTunes, and if you have some time, give us some feedback.